0: Installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just twenty four ninety nine, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call
1: 877-499-MYTV. That's 877-499-MYTV.
0: Cancel the cable. Cut costs and get more. Call
1: now 877-499-MYTV. That's 877-499-MYTV.
2: You're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host Edward Brown, along with my co-host Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Today's show is going to be fun because we have a guest who's was on once before. and He joined us. He's joining us again. Now, last time he was in the studio, but this time he said, "No, I'm not coming in the studio. <laughs> I'm going to do this by phone."
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's okay. John Kingdon is a is a longtime NFL scout, worked with the Oakland Raiders for many many years, and. It 'll be fun talking with John because the uh, this is the off season for the NFL, but you 've got the draft coming up you 've got the mini camps you 've got all these teams that are making moves and it 'd be interesting, especially John having spent so much time with the Raiders i 'd like to get some thoughts f- from him also about that team because I know he still probably keeps up with uh, with the Raiders and of course our Bay Area, the other team, which is uh, the 49ers so there you Are go. the 49ers
2: still around? Still They'd, around. They're well, playing in, in they're some town. So well.
3: they playing in some town down in the South Bay. I can't remember the name of it. Santa Cruz, it Santa, Santa, Clara? Clara. Santa Clara, something like that. Yeah, yeah Santa yeah. Clara. That's what.
2: Well, yeah. and, uh, unfortunately, they're just the they, uh, they they're still not looking good. No, and has, they haven't even started yet. No, There's too much turmoil going on.
3: Dysfunctional franchise. Yes.
2: Where's Kaepernick going?
3: Uh, You know, I think he's going to stay with the 49ers. I really do. Wow. That's just a a rash prediction on my part. I have nothing to base it on, but I'm just...
2: Who knows if Jared Goff
3: will will join them locally. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, at each uh, commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question uh, where we're going to give away a vacation. What's today's theme? Today's theme is miscellaneous trivia. I, oh. If I said it was basketball or baseball, you just know all the answers. Oh, so I, okay. got, I got to surprise you. Okay. The element well, you got, of surprise. You,
3: you got me the last time when you said, what is winning a race hands down? Who, what kind of sport is that? And I... I just guessed what, horse racing. Guessed,
2: that's right. Yeah, and You were correct. Yeah, I was correct. All right. Uh, those vacations are free. Their only request is a $100 cleaning fee to cover the housekeeping expenses. Um, check them out at LighthouseResortAndMarina.com. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are still currently yielding over 8% secured by Bay Area Real Estate. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. They uh, are Their loan-to-value is still around 52%. 52% and are producing 8% returns. Nice. Check them out, pacificprivatemoney.com. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. John Kingdon will join us in the next segment.
4: This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies, such as trusted investing and mortgage pool funds, can do just that. Since 2008, Clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you too can profit from these real estate secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at pacificprivatemoney.com. Sports
5: byline's library of more than 12,000 interviews is a treasure. I'm Ron Barn, we want your help in protecting, sharing and continuing to build this sports interview treasure. We've launched a GoFundMe campaign, so please go to sportsbyline.com slash funding and donate so you can be a part of preserving and continuing to build this unique collection of sports interviews. In appreciation for your donation, support, and telling others, we're going to provide everyone who donates with a link to a special commemorative collection of the Sports Byline Interview Library. This commemorative collection will change every month, and you'll have access to it with your supporting donation of any amount so go to sportsbyline.com slash funding and also tell your friends. You'll be helping preserve, grow, and digitize the Sports Byline interview library so that today's sports fans and those in the future will forever be able to enjoy this treasure. Thank you for your help and support.
2: Welcome back to Sports Econ One Hundred and One. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone?
3: We got a good friend of mine, John Kingdon, who was a scout for many, many years with the uh, with the Oakland Raiders. And and John, I know you're you're most interested in what's going on with the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, even though you're no longer involved as a scout full time, it, it must be intriguing just to keep up with you know some of the top players and i guess here in the bay area we have the guy that everybody's talking about the young jared goff from the university of california is this kid going to be able to to come into the nfl do you think and immediately have an impact or i guess it all depends on the on the club he goes to huh
7: yeah that's certainly a big factor obviously uh, uh, you know i I've, I've made it a point to try and watch him uh, you know from a scout's perspective and and i really found a tremendous amount of things to like about him uh, he's got good size. Uh, he can get the ball deep. Uh, he can throw it on a line, but he can also drop it in. So, I mean, he's got short touch and long touch. He seems uh, athletic enough, which is something more and more important. I think the Peyton Mannings uh, are becoming the dinosaurs where you just, uh, you know, can't avoid the uh, rush like that. And the other thing I really liked about him is when he's under a rush, he, he does a great job of keeping his eyes downfield to see uh, – uh, you know, when guys come open, I mean, that, that's crucial. Uh, the only question I have, and, you know, you'd have to get there and have your coaches sit down with him and stuff, it, you know, he worked in a system that was really a, a, a scheme system. And uh, I would, if, if I was there, I'd have my coaches, the coordinator, the head coach sit down and really uh, work work on them, put him on the board and see uh, how his knowledge is, which I, I wouldn't really expect that
8: to be an issue. But, yeah, it's
3: so hip- I don't see any real negatives in his regard. John, for those that are not uh, you know, really engrossed in all the football terminology, you mentioned the scheme system. What does that actually mean uh, to the non- or casual football fan who might not be familiar with that?
7: Well, you know, I uh, actually did some work at Cal after I left the Raiders doing uh, scouting reports. And I did it for Tedford. I would do the offense and the defense. And then uh, when, it, when it Tedford left, and I came in with... Uh, Sonny Dykes. Yes, yeah, that Sonny Dykes. Uh, yeah, he had no interest in uh, any reports on the defensive guys, and because you know, basically, I don't care who I'm going against. When when I run my offense, I'm going to throw it uh, either the uh, you know the X man on the right or the Z man on the left or the tight end, and so there's really not a lot of reading of defenses by the quarterback. Hmm. Just uh, he knows okay, when I line up and they run the play, I'm going to look at X, I'm going to look at Y, and then I'm going to look at Z, as opposed to, you know, reading what the defense is going to be. He didn't care, uh, and i got not over, overly involved with it. But he, you know, it seems to me he, he wasn't concerned at all about personnel or defenses. It's just, uh, uh, you know, this is how we're doing it. This is where you look first. This is where you look second. and This is where you look third, whereas you get in the NFL, and you, you really have to know how to read defenses.
3: That's interesting. I guess that's the whole idea of the scheme. Then this is what we're going to do. You know, John, you worked so many years for the Oakland Raiders. You worked very closely with Al Davis. What was it like working and getting to know Al Davis? Because to me, he was one of the most fascinating people in the history of American sports, especially football, and he really did change the way the game was played. How was it uh, being a guy that, you know, you would sit down with him and he would probably grill you and want a lot of information about some of the guys that you were scouting. What was it like working for Al Davis?
7: You know, he used to uh, utilize the very uh, Socratic system. Ask you questions and keep asking you questions. And, and you have to really remember what he asked you, because he'd ask you the same question in a different form. And if you answered it this differently, he'd say, wait a minute, you answered it this way uh, which Sounds you, like an
2: attorney.
8: <laughs>
7: exactly like an attorney. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you like player A better than player B, and you like better player B better than player C, And somehow you said, well, I like player C better than A. You know, wait a minute. You like A better than B and B better than C. How can C be
8: better than A? (laughs)
2: That's like asking the question, you know, you hear the attorney who says, uh, he says, okay, you're on the witness stand. He says, have you stopped beating your wife? You go well, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, well, yeah, no. <laughs> do,
7: you, do, you, do you continue? Do you, do you still wear women's underwear? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah that same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: exactly. But, but, he, but my my point about Al Davis was, you know, he was not only such an interesting person in terms of his passion for the game, but he had a lot of. Uh, he had a lot of quirks, and he had a lot of you know there were there were a lot of things written about him that were you know sometimes that were apocryphal, sometimes they were true, sometimes they were exaggerated. But he was kind of a larger than life character. What was it like getting to be in his orbit and getting to know him as well as you did?
7: You know, he he had uh, tremendous retention, and I mean, and the thing is, he was really in the end, he was really a coach. Uh, he loved football. He watched enormous amounts of football. And, and not only if we brought players in from college that would meet him, but the pro players would come in, and, you know, he, and he would meet with them, and he'd, sit, and he'd bring up, you know, in the third quarter when you were playing against the Cowboys, and, they, you know, they ran a cover six against you, and, you, and, and, you know, these guys would come out. Well, how was it? This is unbelievable. He knew more about me than I knew about
8: myself.
3: Wow. <laughs> now that's, I guess, why they always used to refer to the the Raiders as one part CIA and one part uh you know, uh, whatever. Sob? Yeah, no. no, I mean, no, no. there really was, there was a certain element to the Raiders that they did things a certain way, and it, it kind of created a mystery, and it sort of... You know they were supposed to be the bad guys with the black hats, but I think that was part of the appeal. A lot of the players enjoyed playing for for an owner that didn't do things the way most owners did.
2: Well, it's also why they sold so many jerseys and hats. Yeah, you know to the public. Yeah,
3: but of course, winning solves all that. And you guys were winning a lot in the 1970s, and that was a lot of fun to be around. I imagine.
7: No, it was it was great. You know, and obviously, you know, when things fell off, Uh, you know, we were making uh, some decisions that really didn't make a lot of sense. And you know, it came, to, it caught up to us, and the system uh, really caught up to us uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, like a Jamarcus. You know, I, there was there was not a, a strong feeling for Jamarcus. There was a, you know, Lane Kiffin was the coach and absolutely was adamantly opposed to it. And, and
3: his, uh, you're talking about Jamarcus Russell now, the Marcus quarterback, Russell. yeah.
2: And and what was it about Jamarcus that uh, Lane Kiffin didn't like so much? Well,
7: I tell you, the main thing that we had problems with the scouts. Was uh, uh, our scout Bruce Kebrick had gone in there, and he talked with everybody from the equipment manager to teammates, to the coaches, the head coach. Talked to everybody, and the main issue that we had was that uh, they said they had to assign someone to get him up. Assign someone to make sure he went to class. Assign someone that he you know made sure he came to practice, and uh, you know, and and he did it. You know, but suddenly he shows up with you know thirty five million dollars in his pocket. And, uh, and he lost interest because he got that money, and we made it clear that this could be an issue, but Steve Al uh, you know, had always had a lot of great success, particularly in the past, you know, with players that were considered problem guys, that almost by dint of will he could make the play, uh, but you know, it was, he was having his physical issues and he couldn't deal with it directly, and uh, the people he hired to uh, to really try and keep up with Jamarcus weren't, weren't up for it, and uh, you know, again, I think the you know, the financial aspect
2: of it, uh, you know, just uh, you just lost interest. I think. See that that's why you always have to have the carrot in front of them. You know, give him a couple hundred thousand, which is a lot, and then just kind of let him know. Listen, you know, as you're earning, but the problem is the players' unions won't like that.
7: Well, you know, actually, the greatest contribution Jamarcus made to the NFL is after he got this enormous contract, and it kind of fizzled out majorly. Uh, the uh, the league and the players union uh, came up with a uh, a slotting system for the uh, rookies where they were not going to make you know uh, you know countless amounts of money uh, the way Jamarcus did now they'll make a, a substantial amount but not enough that uh,
8: they could just kind of take it and run. So. No. interesting, interesting. How
2: how much uh, would that be? I uh,
7: mean for each team? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was.
8: It was uh, probably about a third less than
7: what your made uh,
8: oh. the next year. That's a okay. considerable
3: amount of money. Yeah.
2: I you mean, know? it's still going to get people to uh, <laughs> yeah. act a certain way. I tell you what, uh, John, stay with us. We're going to cut to our first commercial break. So, again, our theme is just miscellaneous trivia. Okay. Keep you in suspenders on this one. Which country, besides the U.S., produces the largest number of major league baseball players? Ah, All right. Okay. The first email with the correct answer wins a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. Does that e- mean I win the uh,
3: the two-day, two-night stay? you got to answer the question. I know I'm going to answer this, okay. right? Okay. Yeah.
2: The f- first email... Uh, this may be a trick question. No, it's not, it's not a trick question. It's not. Okay. It's no. an easy question. <laughs> right. Easy. E- easy squeeze. Every, everybody should get this. One. Okay. Email edward at sports econ101.com. Even, <laughs> Even me. That's <laughs> right. I'm going to answer myself really quickly yeah. so I can win the trip. Yeah. Email edward at sports econ101.com. The answer to that question what country besides the U.S. produces the largest number of Major League Baseball players? And it is not Greenland, I will tell you. <laughs> that's that's the first hint. Sports Rarer
3: has been a player from Greenland. Really? Okay, yeah.
2: stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
9: 800 480 5708
6: attention catheter users stop reusing dirty catheters catheters are now disposable recent changes in Medicare now allow patients up to 200 disposable catheters a month all at little or no cost to you we bill Medicare put an end to the mess and risk of infection by using old catheters just use a catheter once and throw it away Eliminate trips to the pharmacy and insurance paperwork. Shipping is free. Receive a free catheter sample by calling and joining Medical Direct Club right now. Call 1-800-399-9018 to receive your free catheter sample discreetly delivered right to your door. That's 1-800-399-9018. 1-800-399-9018. Call 1-800-399-9018 today. Deductibles and copay Supply. apply. Free catheter samples require qualified membership. Sample will arrive with 90-day
10: order. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process surfer from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark.
1: Mom, what was that?
10: your process lower your monthly mortgage payments save your home and your credit but you must act now call 800 274 not available in all states paid non-attorney
2: spokesperson welcome back to sports Ecom 101 again i'm edward brown your host along with bruce McGowan. when we cut to this first commercial break well, trivia question this was the question we asked. Which country besides the U.S. produces the largest number of Major League Baseball players?
3: Well, I know the answer, but I'm going to see if John knows John, this. John,
2: what's the answer to that? Uh, would
3: it be the Dominican Republic? There you it go. It would be. Very, very good, good. Very good. See, yeah, a lot of people would never figure the Dominican Republic because it's such a small country. But it is – kids, you know, they, the moment they can walk, they, they're given a baseball glove and a bat. Yeah, Puerto Rico, too. Puerto Rico, too. But, yeah, but I Dominican think them because one of the reasons in the Dominican, people are so poor there. They look at – at, Getting into baseball as a way of getting out of poverty, and it's working. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for well, some. Well, the
2: thing is, with baseball, you got to have a number of players. Right. You got to have a field. You got to right. have, you know, some. Equipment. But you know, you
3: can play. You can play with four. players players on a team or even two True. on a team I mean we, when we were yeah. kids we used to play I don't know if John did this or you did this but we used to play uh, what we call pitcher's hand yeah. where the oh, pitcher yeah. uh-huh. would be the first baseman he'd catch any ground ball that was picked up by the infield that throw to the pitcher yep. if he got to him before the runner got to first you, you were out pitchers and in, yeah. usually the pitcher was on the team that was playing yep. that was batting yeah. So Because oh, yeah. you only had that many players. You know, yeah, sometimes had two pitchers' interest- hands,
2: sometimes pitchers' mound. There you go. Yeah, oh, I yeah, remember. Yeah. Well, yeah. the king and his court, they only played with four people. Yeah, there you go. I like there that. You go. So who do we have on the phone again? We've
3: got John Kingdon, NFL, a longtime NFL scout who uh, spent many years with, with the Oakland Raiders. And, and John, i got to ask you about the Raiders today and what's been going on with them. Because unlike the 49ers, who seem to be uh, in the midst of this terrible dysfunctional uh, kind of behavior in the front office where a lot of people just don't seem to want to come to play for them. That is a, a totally different thing What's happening in Oakland now, and it's taken a long time for it to turn, to turn around. But it looks like this is a team that uh, might be uh, not only a playoff contender but could possibly win a game or two in the postseason. What's your read on the Raiders?
7: Well, I think the uh, the most important thing for a team is to have uh, stability. You know, the Raiders had great stability with John Madden and Tom Florey. And then it was, you know, changing coaches all the time. And then we had John Gruden, who finally got more stability. So it, it looks like with Jack Del Rio, uh, they seemed to uh, make like a real commitment there, and that's going to work. That's number one. And then number two is the uh, quarterback situation. I think, like I said, uh, you know, the guy that's probably the most viable player in the personnel department for the Raiders is a guy named Ray Farmer, who was the general manager in Cleveland, who's going to have to Johnny Manziel instead of Derek Carr. Derek Carr given you know, they haven't had uh, for years. Obviously, you know, with Carson Palmer, if they stayed with him. But basically, uh, you know, Derek Carr has been the guy that they can grow with. I think uh, it looks like they understand that Carr is really the key to this team because they've just invested enormous
8: amounts of money in the
2: offensive line. Well, let me ask you, because you mentioned Johnny Manziel, and, and uh, to the – uh, we're, we're, we are recording this show earlier than uh, the 16th that it's going to uh, air, um, and who knows what will happen between now and then. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Manzel? Uh,
8: I
7: think uh, it's possible that uh, you know he could sit out for a while. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. Uh, not that I particularly follow it. You know, then you read. Uh, you know, he's had all these issues, and, and there's in the paper TMZ, Now he's partying in Vegas. Partying in LA. It's a scary guy. I think uh, the only way he's going to go to a team is, is with a flat out minimum, no bonus. You know, let's, let's prove to everyone that you uh, can work for this. But uh, he's, he's thrown away enormous sums of money by his behavior. Well, yeah.
2: he took he's, he's taken a, uh, um, a page out of the Ryan Leaf uh, mm. <laughs> uh, playbook.
8: Yeah,
3: it's true. You know, it's sad, too, John, because you think about it. Um, you know, he's so young and talented and the good thing for him is you as you point out, uh, you know, teams probably there are probably a couple of teams that will take a flyer on this guy just because there are not a lot there's not a lot of great talent at the quarterback position and very few teams even have an adequate backup. So he'd be at the very worst to you know, a guy you could take a shot at as a backup you know,
2: especially with salary
3: caps and yeah. stuff in all. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't that make sense to you?
2: Oh, it
7: makes perfect sense. Exactly. Even after he's been cut by Cleveland, you know, for, for uh, a bunch of his behavior off the field, he uh, he shows no inclination to to walk the straight and narrow, and seems to want to, you know, party all the time, and you know, and, and even if he's a backup, he can prove to be a real distraction. Uh, mm.
2: Otherwise, oh, that's a good he's point. A
7: party teammates, that kind of thing. So,
2: well, here's the thing: is it may not just be the money issue that the team looks at; they have to give up a spot. You know, and I know there's 60 players, but, you know, it's like, do you want to give sort of a throwaway spot?
3: What's sad to me, John, is the fact that uh, not only is he throwing away this talent, but apparently his father, who sounds like a decent guy, said, you know, publicly to his son, he goes, Johnny, you've got to straighten yourself out or you're going to die of alcoholic poisoning eventually. And so something is is terribly wrong with this young man, whether he's got a, uh, you know, an addiction, whether he has a death wish, I don't know, but it's... Somebody has got to get a hold of him and straighten him out. And I'm not talking about a, co- a coach or a quarterback guru. I'm talking about somebody who can get his life together because he's, he's really hanging I mean, from
2: And a, you got to put him around the pe- people who are decent people.
3: Well, that's, that's, a, that's always a tough thing yeah. to do, as you know. I mean, you saw that, didn't you, John, with uh, Jamarcus. Jamarcus wasn't a bad kid, but he, he started hanging out with some of the wrong people. And then, of course, some of his old buddies from the neighborhood sort of brought him down, too. That It's always who you hang with, isn't it?
2: Yeah, bad morals always corrupt good ones, yeah. not the other way around.
8: Yeah.
7: Yep. You know, you know the teams that are strong and successful, I talk about New England, they can get away with guys. And when we brought in, for example, Randy Moss, you know, that was the art show year, and that was not that was a very dysfunctional environment, and Randy was unbelievably talented, played well, yeah. and then he kind of quit on us because the team wasn't doing well, and we eventually got him, or traded him for, a, I think, a fourth to New England, and he was excellent for like two or three years, and then... You know, then when it became a pain in the neck, I still remember, they won a tough game. And, uh, you know, Randy Moss, to, he gets at uh, the post state conference. Oh, we got to redo my, my contract. I'm not happy. We have to get it an addressed. And Bellichick cuts him the next day. Interesting.
3: Yeah. Wow. No nonsense.
7: on, yeah. You can put up with these guys
8: because you can get rid of
3: them, and they know it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Another guy that we should bring up, and he's not been really a problem off the field. You never hear any problems about this guy off the field. He seems like a decent guy, not the warmest, cuddliest guy, and the media doesn't really care for him too much because he doesn't give him anything. Colin Kaepernick, who, as we speak, and again, as Edward pointed out, this show is airing a couple of weeks uh, later, so in the, in the interim, he might have been picked up or, or traded away. But Colin Kaepernick is a guy, to me, uh, John, one of the most fascinating characters because, you know, in, in a short order, he became one of the best quarterbacks in football, almost guided his team to a Super Bowl, came within just a few yards of doing it, and then suddenly, I mean, it was a lot more than just Colin Kaepernick. There was a there was a complete uh, dysfunction and uh, a lot of players leaving the organization through retirement or injuries, but suddenly this guy's stock went from the top to the bottom almost overnight. I've never seen a, a player on any sport, fall so quickly, so hard. Is Colin Kaepernick a guy that could reclaim his career, do you feel?
7: Well, he sure hasn't uh, demonstrated uh, too much leadership in that regard. You know, like I said, he came in, and, and, you know, I I scouted him at Reno, and he was a very humble person. Everybody loved him. It was all positive. He was a great leader. Uh, The only issue I really had at this point was that that sidearm motion, which tended to – so ball centered the sail on him, and that that more or less bothered me more than anything. But I had him as like a third round guy, and, and they ah. took him in the second. And, but he came into it just a perfect situation with the right head coach, oh, with yeah. a great defense, and uh, and again, he, I think he uh, you know was kind of humble and, and what really bothered me, and this is just from the outside, I remember he went to the ESPY award, and it's on late at night, and he's sitting there with his dark glasses, and I said. That just bothered me.
3: Mm-hmm. He's trying to be too cool for school. Well, he always showed up with those uh, beat headphones around his neck. while he was getting ready to do the interview with the uh, you know press conference with the media after games. I always felt like Randy's sort of he's giving us his time because his time is valuable. Yeah. You know, I've got to get back to my music and my you know whatever. I mean, it's I, I just kind of sad to me. I, that's a, a the kind of a recipe for disaster if you're going to you know isolate yourself from people when you're young. Yet you, the last thing you need to do is to create a negative impression. You've got to you know try to work with. With with, uh, the media, you got to try to work with your teammates.
7: Yeah. Yeah. You know, but everything, you know, the defense is so good, that helps them. And Mm. then, boy, suddenly, you know, Kyle Borland retires, Mm -hmm. concussion fears. You know, the linebacker retires. Anthony Davis is going to take a leave of absence. It
8: just, uh, you know, everything hit.
3: Yeah, Frank Gore was traded away. Michael Crabtree left. You're right. I mean, it was just a complete Alden Smith. Alden Smith.
8: Speaking of Alden Smith, the
3: Raiders, I saw the Raiders re-signed Alden Smith, uh, another interesting guy because that guy's got a world of talent. But, boy, you just you, you walk on eggshells when you wonder, you know, is he going to stay out of trouble? That's the big problem.
7: You know, I think that's, uh, that guy should be very effective signing because, you know, it'll be like, uh, I think, I don't know if he's out for 10 games or 9 games, whatever it is, but certainly he could, he could prove to be a real spark plug. You know, and everyone's kind of getting into the dog days of the season, when you're kind of tired, you push and So this guy comes in fresh,
2: uninjured. Uh, he he might be able to provide a real spark at that point. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, no uh, challenge to his talent. That's for sure. Boy, no, no, no question about that. Uh, all right, hey guys, we're going to uh, cut to our second commercial break here. Again, the theme is miscellaneous uh, trivia. All right, we've got a Winter Olympic sport question. Okay. All right. This one's interesting. This winter Olympic event is called the biathlon. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that? Oh yeah. And yeah. It, okay, and it comprises of what two events? Okay, all right.
3: Really, you easy, know this one? Easy. That's an easy. Are one. you sure? Yes. Wow. John knows it. Do you know that one, John? Don't don't give the don't answer. Don't give the answer. Do but you, do know, you, the, do you do know the answer to that? I think I do. Okay. okay.
2: Wow. Yeah. You guys will very. Yeah. You guys will impress me. If, yeah. uh, okay. The uh, first email with the correct answer wins a free three day two night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. You got to call in before Bruce gives the answer though, <laughs> <laughs> or, or email. Excuse me. Yeah. Email Edward at SportsEcon101 dot The answer to that question: The Winter Olympics uh, event called the Biathlon comprises what two events? All right. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We've got our guest, John Kingdom, on the line. John, you're going to stay with us for one more segment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
5: Are you wasting hundreds of dollars each year
1: on contact lenses? Would you like to see clearly again without reading glasses? LASIK treats only the surface of the eye and is healthier and safer than wearing contact lenses long term. Dr. Robert Lynn had LASIK himself and still sees 2020 and has performed over 40,000 LASIK procedures over the last 18 years. Find out more at iqlaservision.com. That's iqlaservision.com.
8: IQ Laser
2: I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com.
10: You don't buy a new truck without adding a few things to make it work better, like a winch or a bedliner or lockable toolbox. So why not do the same for your Red Wing work boots? At a Red Wing shoe store you'll find everything you need to stay comfortable on the job from moisture wicking socks to removable footbeds and boot care products. So come talk with our fit experts today for handcrafted footwear and accessories to boot red wing shoes. Work is our work.
4: How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best kept secrets in investing at Pacific private money. We are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this, so call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150, and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at PacificMoneyFund.com.
2: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was a trivia question I thought was hard, but the two gentlemen, one on the studio and one on the phone, uh, said... They know the answer to this. The Winter Olympic event called the biathlon comprises what two events?
3: That's an easy one. That's it's an a, easy one. Cross-country skiing and shooting. That's right. Yeah,
8: yeah. I, I, well, you know, I can't.
3: I think it. I think it has some derivations to, you know, going back to say in in Norway where you'd go out on the, you know, you'd go out and try to get your your winter meal by yeah. shooting, a, you know, a hare or something. You'd be out, out of cross-country skis and oh, you.
2: Yeah, but I thought it came out of like a James Bond movie, or you, know or, you may,
3: know, or maybe it was the the guys that were fighting the Nazis, you know, in Finland. I don't know. Yeah, you know, John, were... did you know
2: that that was the answer?
7: In fact, it's a a Bond movie.
2: Have...
8: It, it was in a James Bond movie. Yeah. yeah, but
2: did did you know the answer to that question though? Yeah, it's cross
8: country. Yeah, yeah, he, country, he got, he Wow, it. he got
2: it. I'm I'm still impressed. He got it. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um, you, just, you, just, you just don't give us enough credit. That's I know. So, I, I, I apologize. That's okay. Uh, that's, next, I, I've the, been under, underestimated by the by the best and the worst, so it's okay. okay.
2: Yeah, you know, the next one, I don't know. The next question might be easy for you guys, uh, too. Okay. Shoot, this, this, this whole week might be an easy one. Well,
3: I, I, I messed He's up with confidence. one. Gives you confidence. Yeah, yeah. I messed up with one.
2: Okay, so that's true. Yeah. So we have um, – who do we have on the phone? We have
3: John Kingdon, a former NFL scout, on the phone. And, and John uh, – you know, the the thing about the NFL is that no matter how many hits it takes, you know, figuratively or literally, in the media or on the field, it just seems to keep moving at a at a strong pace. It's the most popular team sport in America. What is the reason you think that the NFL has this undying popularity with the American public, despite all the negativity, you know, the things with the concussion problems and the off-field problems with the athletes, but but yet, despite that, it's still... The number one team sport to watch on television. Why is that?
7: You it's uh, on a couple of levels. Uh, number one, there's gambling, which I think is a big audience. Number two, it. you know, I've always thought about this. There's, there's so many levels to this game, uh, and, and, it, and it runs the gamut. I mean, it, on the one hand, it can be an incredibly graceful, uh, smooth sport. On the other hand, it's unbelievably violent. You know, I, on the other hand, you know, it's pure aggression, and on the other hand, it's, it's a terribly cerebral sport. I mean, they, you know, the effort that's put into it, it's just an interesting sport. It runs every type of athlete. You've got big people, you got little people, you've got slow people, you got fast people, uh, short people. It just uh, kind of runs the gamut of uh, of all sorts of emotions, and everything's prepared, and then the ball takes a funny balance.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you talk about the gracefulness. I, I was immediately thinking of Odell Beckham. You know, his catch that, that he turns around backwards and ends up. Pins it up. Or, what, no, no that was the Tyree. Oh, that was, that Tyree, was Tyree, yeah. But, no, but remember a couple of years ago, he makes a touchdown. He kind of reaches. And he did that records. without Stickem too. Yeah, yeah, that's what that, man. Just, yeah. just yeah. like two, two, three fingers. I always thought you know?
3: it was, uh, speaking of Stickem. I always thought it was so unfortunate that's that they true. banned Stickem yeah. because. Lester Hayes yeah. kind of ruined it for everybody. <laughs> Freddie Boletnikoff put just enough stick'em on to be effective, but then Lester went and did it like times four, and it was just outrageous. <laughs> and it, it's well, so, it's so funny. It's <laughs> so funny you talk you talk to Lester now about it, and he he always likes to say that was his little moment. But uh, that yeah. that was kind of an interesting period of time where your team had the, the stickum, and and really, I guess le- first it was. Freddie and then Lester that really became uh, they they loved to use that during he's, the game. You just
2: wonder why didn't they wear gloves? I mean that's the smart thing yeah. to do from the know. beginning.
3: I don't know. You know
7: they, you know when they that came up for league vote it was thirty one to one against Stickham. We were the one team that. Of- yeah.
3: <laughs> Al Davis loves Stickham. <laughs> I
7: mean, Freddie- oh, no, in fact, he actually didn't want the Stickham. Really? It really was a mess. You had to, you know, particularly Dick Romansky who, who recently passed away. But he spent hours cleaning the balls and the uniforms to get that stick-em-off. And, uh, but, you know, as I understand it, they, they said, you know, we're going to vote for it anyway so we can tell Lester, you know, that, oh, I well, see Lester, we voted for it, but everyone else didn't want it. That's but, funny. I mean, you know, I think if we were the deciding vote, we'd have voted no.
3: That's funny. I always remember seeing pictures of Fred Bletnikoff on the sideline having guys hand him chewing gum into his mouth or give him a cigarette hold the cigarette so he could take a puff of it because he didn't want to put it on his hands because he would never be able to get it off his hands.
7: Yeah, I think that was usually I said Dick Romansky.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Dick, Dick, Dick Romansky was quite a character. Now, there's a, there's a guy. It's one of the things I love about the Raiders, you had people like Run Run Jones, the world's oldest water boy, or Dick Romansky, or, you know, some real interesting characters behind the scenes. Al Davis loved these guys, didn't
8: he?
7: Yes, he did. Uh, you know, he stood by him, and they were very loyal to him. I think Dick was uh, one of the last of the originals that had come in with Al uh, in 63. I think it was, at, like, at St. Ambrose College. I think they met in the Army. You know, and then Run Run. The uh, story I believe it was uh, Ben Davidson brought him by, huh. and uh, you know, the last 10, 15 years uh, he was living in
3: the building. Is that right? He, he lived actually in the Raiders facility. Yeah, that's crazy. And I Run Run uh, told me a story, and Run Run had this funny voice. He kind of talked like this, <laughs> yeah, hey, Run Run Jones. And this is the the world's oldest ball boy. You'd always see him on the on the TV with the the white hair running out in the shorts. You know, changing the ball. That Run Run told me though that he was actually a um he played he had participated and was very successful apparently back in the day in roller derby did you ever hear that story
8: <laughs> well, i that, love
3: that. that when i was a kid
7: nickname was run run because he used to run on his skates
3: i love it i love it well that was that must have been a fun time the 70s because i mean we we haven't even mentioned the late great kenny stabler who was a larger than life figure i always not only loved him as a yeah, player but he was such a nice guy. I mean, he was, you know, a little bit off the cuff and kind of crazy, but not somebody who would, you know, uh, belittle anybody or give anybody a hard time. He was always in an easygoing manner and just a great, great competitor. And you look at him physically, he was not an impress, uh, imposing or impressive specimen. But, man, when you had a two-minute drill going, there was no better guy to have out on the field.
7: You, you know, it was, one of my favorite years was uh, 1979. And, you know, they talked about Kenny was having – Rain issues, uh, but you know when Al passed away, they had a memorial uh, at the funeral. You know Kenny was there, and they had a memorial uh, luncheon, and and I happened to be sitting at the table with uh, Kenny and uh, Raymond Chester and a few other players. Anyway, in 1979, I remember Bruce. It was the most uncharacteristic Raider football team in history because a team with nothing but speed. We had two tight ends. Branch was the only receiver. And we had two fullbacks in the backfield, Derek Jensen and uh, Mark Van Egan. So it might have been the slowest team in all of football. But it, it set a record. It was the only team in the history of the NFL that had two tight ends make the from uh, one team make the Pro Bowl in that one season. But anyway, the point was, I was sitting at that luncheon, and uh, I brought it up to Kenny and he and Raymond, and they started talking about those games like they played them yesterday.
8: Now, mm.
3: yeah, those games did bring back some memories. I mean, I... As a kid, went to so many games and covered so many of the games, I was lucky enough to cover them. And it's funny, sometimes when, this is a true story, sometimes when I'm having a tough time going to sleep at night, you know, you get a little uh, insomnia, I will literally think back and remember, every, and for some reason, I don't know how how I have this memory, I can remember every single Raider game I went to from 1966 to 1981, a lot of those I covered before they moved to Los Angeles, I can remember who they played, what the final score was, really? where the game was played, and I'll go through it in my own mind and by the time I get to say 1976 or 77, I'm starting to fade and usually I'll fall asleep. But wow, it's uh, really? it's kind of funny. That. I think this is the thing about Raider fans, though, that we forget is, you know, a lot of teams are have fans like this, but Raider fans are sort of different, aren't they, John?
7: Yeah, I was, uh, it was uh, you know, I think, uh, it was like, you know, it, it was uh, like Green Bay. It was like Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, that kind of a special environment. And I remembered uh, you know, before I came out, I knew a guy uh, who had season tickets, and I was talking to him about it. And, you know, the tickets obviously are a lot more expensive. Now, well, back then, it really wasn't cheap. But like you'd send the ticket, you know, you get the bill in March, you'd grimace, you'd write the check, and then you forget about it.
8: Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah it's and nice, that, too.
7: I mean, you and get... You know, yeah. when I first got there in '78, I was mad at last year. It was it was really a special place uh, uh, to be. You know, '78, '79. You know, and then when the team left, gosh, you, you just you know, like the Dodgers leaving Brooklyn, and yeah. you know, uh, there are probably Man. still some people that resent, uh, uh, you know, Al of the team out of Oakland to LA.
3: Yeah, they they belong in Oakland. They should never leave Oakland, and I hope they never do leave Oakland because there's something intrinsically. Uh, it's just right to have the Raiders in Oakland, the silver and black. I mean, it's been there for so long; it's just part of the the whole thing. And John, uh, before we let you go, I got to ask you your favorite uh, memory with the Raiders. You talked about 1979. Do you have any any particular memories of that 1980 team that came out of nowhere, won a wild card with uh, Jim Plunkett, and, and then won the Super Bowl? I mean, that must have been an incredible run because you guys started off the season, I think, two and three. Well,
7: you know, I think the thing about that season is, you know, we made a lot of. Transactions and they all hit. Uh, you know, we had traded uh, Dave Casper and got uh, Kenny King, who had a tremendous season, and uh, we signed Burgess uh-huh. Owen and uh, we signed uh, Cedric Hartman, uh, Otis McKinney. Uh, you know, Plunkett had uh, we had signed in '78 and just kind of let him grow and mature. And just every every uh, every move we made that year really worked well.
3: Bob Chandler, there's another guy I'm thinking of, the great wide receiver.
8: Yeah.
7: I think Bobby was was, was a tremendous, uh, and there's a great, uh, Bobby Chandler wrote a a wonderful autobiography. Really? It was was wonderful, and it came out years and years ago, obviously long before he died, and he talked about how he went into Al Davis to talk about his contract, and he had a figure in mind that he was going to get, and he said, I went in there, and Al said, Paul oh, Bobby, I wish you were with us from the beginning. You'd have been one of the great players in Raider history. And went on and on and talked about how much you loved him and how it's great. But look, Cliff's been here so long. I can't give you as much as Cliff. I can give you this, and I think it's really a great figure. And in the book, Bobby talks about I said, you know, it's the first time I walked out of a negotiation with less than I wanted, but I really felt great.
3: <laughs> Al had a way of bringing the players, you know, uh, some good feelings just by – giving them the love that most owners would not give players. And I think that counts for a lot, even today.
2: Well, they're the employees, you know, yeah. yeah well, well, you, you treat, treat your, well. pl- you
3: treat your people well. And as long as you pay them reasonably well, but you treat them well, stand behind them and are loyal to them. And I think that that, that counts for a lot. Well, you had a lot of, a lot of good years with the Raiders, John. I, I imagine, you know, all those years that you spent with the Raiders, uh, no regrets uh, about uh, even you, know, you though you had to be away from your family a lot of times. No regrets about being in a in a field like uh, uh, pro scouting in the NFL, huh? Well, uh, I love
7: the job. Now again, towards the end, some of those you know after the Gruden years and you know it was after Bill, uh, well, we made some unfortunate choices. You know with some of the head coaches that uh, you know the Art Shell year that second time around was
3: that was gruesome.
8: Boring. Yeah, yeah. You know
7: I just. You want to pick my favorite game of all time? In the U. it was the Millennium, and we went to Kansas City and Gruden was the coach. And I think we were seven and eight, and we weren't going to make the playoffs. And the Chiefs needed it to win. And we're down 17 nothing, and it's cold, and it's just a miserable environment, and the place is going crazy. And then suddenly we blocked a punt, and uh, Napoleon Kaufman made great plays, and Tyrone Wheatley made. You know, one of the great runs of all time in Raider history, carrying like five guys in the end zone. Jimmy Brown made some great plays. Joe Nedney uh, hit the winning field goal. And we knocked the Chiefs out of the playoffs.
3: I remember that game. That was right on the on the cusp of the three uh, division titles that uh, the Rich Gannon won for that team. <laughs> great, wow. great, great times.
7: Oh, yeah, Rich was with us, yeah. Yeah, that's and, right.
3: Uh,
8: yeah.
7: I remember the new season the, uh, and Greg Beaker. You know, made the call because Marty Schottenheimer he used to always take his shots at us. Uh, you know, well, the Raiders, you know, they kind of quit at the end. And so I remember those guys after we beat them. I was newski and Beaker talking to us. Well, we knew that the Chiefs were always going to fold at the end
8: under
3: pressure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> John, top playoff win I ever had with the Raiders. There you go,
2: John. Uh, John, hey, we unfortunately we have to let you go. We have to cut to a, a last break here. But thanks again for joining us. Okay,
8: Edward. Bruce, always
3: a pleasure. All right, thank you. Great to have John Kingdon aboard. John, as I mentioned, many years with the Oakland Raiders as a uh, pro scout, probably over, I think, over 30 years. That's the thing I loved about that organization and still do. A lot of people have been there a long time. All
2: right, here we go. Last trivia question What physical object used in a sport must be precisely 2.44 meters high and 7.32 meters wide? Mm. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
1: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063, 800-957-6063.
2: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our third and final trivia question. What physical object used in a sport must be precisely 2.44 meters high and... 7.32 7.32 meters wide.
3: have absolutely no idea.
8: No okay, idea. So,
2: okay, a meter is what, 39 inches? Right. And so, you know, 39 times Two. 2.44. Think about Seven. that.
3: So that's about six and a half feet long. Okay, okay. Uh, high. High. Okay. Okay,
2: seven point three two meters wide. Seven point two. So thirty nine is like three feet. It's like twenty one. Yeah. Still got it. No soccer clip. goal.
3: Soccer goal. There you I go. thought that one you'd get. Yeah. Uh, if you if you made it made it in feet, maybe I'd get it. Uh, that's, right. Well, that's right. Well, that's right. See, you got had, me there. I got got gotcha you on yeah. that one. Okay. Right.
2: Thoughts for the day. Thoughts for the day. Thoughts for the day. Yes. Now, if I if I say Jimmy Chitwood. Jimmy
3: notes? Chitwood, that's the that's the famous uh, player that uh, in the movie Hoosiers, Hoosiers very... the, the the star player, you know, who reluctantly joins the team and scores the winning basket in the championship. game. Give me the ball, coach, I'll I hit it. <laughs> yeah. I'll hit it. I think that's the only
2: line he had. the Okay, entire... that, and that's my that's yeah. my thoughts for yeah. the day here. Okay, so Jimmy Chitwood, the hero of the film Hoosiers, only has four lines in the entire. That's movie. one of them. He says, "I, <laughs> I, hit, it. I hit it." He <laughs>
3: doesn't even say, "Give me the ball." He just goes, "I hit it, and coach," it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He did. Yeah.
2: You know what? I find Finally saw that movie for the first time at, uh, last really? August. Wow! Yeah,
3: what took you so long?
2: Well, I I just I just one of those things that just hadn't gone around. Yeah, okay? We were talking about sports great, movies, great and someone film. said, "Oh, God, I see users." I, I still
3: think it's the best sports film ever made. I've I, heard
2: I've heard some people say that yeah, I, Gene I Hackman was it. Tr- terrific. Yeah, he's great.
3: I think the the thing I the reason I, I I say that is just because of all the different little lessons you learn from it. And, and also, yeah. and also the way Indiana back in the nineteen fifties was depicted—that really looked like Indiana in the nineteen fifties. I mean, they did a yeah, great job, they did a good job on that. recreating that atmosphere.
2: Yeah, Gene Hackman—he's he's oh, just always just great. the best. All right, uh, and only ten other quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown half. As many touchdowns as Peyton Manning.
8: Wow. Isn't
2: that wild?
3: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: I, I, I was very surprised. How many, home, that.
3: How many touchdown passes has he thrown in his career? I don't know, 12,000? No. No, <laughs> I, no, I I, don't, actually, I should have looked that couple, up. A couple of hundred. A couple of hundred.
2: Yeah. Okay, tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and giving away more free vacations. More free vacations. Every right. <laughs> questions. Right. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown.
3: We'll see you next week. Good night, America.
2: So long.